Hey, revolutionaries, and welcome to another episode of the Reparenting Revolution podcast. My name is Sammy Sadicario, and I am your host and leader. This podcast is all about the healing of the collective through the healing of the individual. This is for the creative dreamer, the change maker, the light worker, the neurodivergent, the awakened, the wild, and the hungry, the liberators, the dreamers, and the renaissance bringers. My intention for this podcast is to bring you actionable tools, tips, and methodologies for creating internal micro-revolutions and identity shifts in order to create the massive revolutionary shift we need in this world on a macro level. This revolution I am campaigning is one of mental health. It is about doing the real work to face our traumas, get out of victim mentality, and into self-responsibility, and heal the wounded inner child within all of us. It is creating revolutions within ourselves to become the light we wish to see. This is the Reparenting Revolution. Hey, revolutionaries, and welcome to episode 10 of the Reparenting Revolution podcast. I am so excited that we've reached episode 10, and what better person to bring onto this episode than my dear friend, Benjoy Walker. Ben and I attended Penn State Musical Theater Program together years ago, and we have very similar journeys in creating self-revolutions from performers to coaches. He is currently a business mentor for The Strong Coach, a mentorship program for fitness coaches to build their businesses. And he also has his own fitness program called Adventure Dads. His motto is one that I take with me everywhere. Fun is the point. We'll talk today a bit about how that motto came to be and how it's showing up today in society. If you want to find out more from Ben and where you can find him, check out the show notes. Enjoy. All right. Well, Ben, thank you so much for being a guest on the Reparenting Revolution. Thank you for having me, Sam. I'm stoked to be here. Heck yeah. Love having combos with you. Where I would love to start today is I would love for you to tell me about your revolution. Oh, it's been, it's been a ride. It's been really fun. I mean, the where it really started for me was transitioning from musical theater to coaching. We both went to Penn State together. We were in the same program, and we both know what that like what that life is like. And it was on on paper, I was living the dream. I was I'd had consistent employment since I graduated. Uh, I'd been like I'd been at the top of the non-union game and then I joined the union. I had an agent. I was getting I was starting to get cast in principal roles at regional theaters and it I didn't like it anymore. <laughs> I, I didn't enjoy it. And all the while I was feeling pulled towards um fitness coaching. I was really into the steel mace at that point and I'd I'd been on the ground floor of the steel mace movement. So I I built up my I built myself up as a leader in that space and I kept finding myself feeling like I'd be I was missing out on on stuff missing out on fitness things all the while I'm doing a show I'm performing professionally which you know what I'd been dreaming of 
and it wasn't it wasn't it Mm. i had the dream and i realized i didn't want it i didn't want that dream anymore and a couple of other things of realizing like okay if i'm if i want to do this if i want to be on broadway like i said i did my senior year of college i have to live in or around new york city hard no (laughs) no that was there was nothing like central park the north part of central park is like the only redeeming quality i could find about new york city Mm. and went like through coaching i realized i i didn't have to be there and when that clicked within like within two months of moving out of the city i'd also moved across the country and I moved, so I moved from New Jersey to San Diego and was chasing this like nomadic adventurous life. Uh, because one of my first, my first gig out of school was a national tour. So I got to tour all over North America, see all of this beautiful country. I got to, in between shows, I did get to go on a couple adventures and then stuck myself in New York City for two years. What what the fuck was I thinking? I I actually, I remember sitting in my hammock in Salt Lake City, watching the sunset behind the mountains, getting ready for uh, our evening performance and going, why the hell am I going back to New York City? What is this? So from like from moving to San Diego, like that really started it because, um, you know, a couple months after that COVID hit. And then I, I spent the first two week, two months of quarantine in Zion National Park, like right outside of the park. And then from there, started bouncing around. It was Tahoe, then it was Vermont, then it was Colorado, then it was a road trip. And then like from then on, it's been like now that now that I'm living in Bend, it's the first time in a year and a half that I've spent more than a month in one place. <laughs> and before that, even because you were, you were on tour, you know, it's yeah. like you're used to the, the nomadic life just a bit. So you recognized that you weren't having fun doing what you thought you wanted to do. And you had it, you were headed towards, I'm sure you were very quickly going to get on Broadway and you were already booking all of these gigs. And so you made this identity shift, moved across the country when did you come to this mantra that you are spreading to all of the dark places of the world right now? <laughs> uh, so it was reading The Toltec Art of Life and Death by Don Miguel Ruiz. Oh. In that book, it's, I, get, I think he had a heart attack and he was in a coma for a certain period of time, like in and out, like on the edge of death. So it's about his experience doing that and him feeling um, the experience of his pe- like his family in the earthly realm and his ancestors in the astral. And it's his great grandfather. The spirit of his great grandfather is a clown. <laughs> and the whole time, like everyone else is taking everything so serious. He's just like, guys, what are you doing? Like, come on. And he's like, he's. I imagined him like as like a a jester, like running around doing cartwheels and like suddenly you find him sitting up on a tree down there laughing at you. And I was like, this, this guy gets it. Mm. Like his, his spirit is having so much fun because he's, you know, not taking it seriously. And I started like looking at my life that way. 
of having fun with it because at some point fun becomes like it's not okay anymore it's it's kid stuff actually i had uh, a conversation with my mom and my sister where i said something about um because i'm coaching dads right now and i am not married and don't have any kids what the hell do i know about coaching dads and i i told my mom uh, i'm not helping i'm not teaching them fatherhood i'm helping them remember how to be boys and she said ha well some women will say that men never forget that and i said yeah those are women who forgot how to be girls. And my sister said, well, someone has to be the grown-up. I was like, well, when did that become, when did being a grown-up mean you have to like let go of being a kid? You have to put that aside. And societally, that happens so much where I then have man after man coming up to me saying, I, Ben, I want to learn how to play. Can you teach me how to play? Like, okay, if, if, if being a grown-up is like what you're supposed to be and you're supposed to set the little kid aside, then why are men in their 30s and 40s coming to me because they want to learn how to play again? Like any time of any sort of men's retreat that I've been to, there's always a handful of guys who come out of it with action items around playing more. And it's, you know, the men who they want to be able to play with their kids. And um, there's plenty of guys out there who have stories around like people don't want to play with me because their dad didn't play with them. And that's not to say their dad didn't want to, but their dad was raised with, no, you can't play anymore. You're a man now. What's coming to mind is that song Cats in the Cradle. I don't know that one. Cats in the Cradle and the Silver Spoon. Yeah. So it's about like dad works too hard and doesn't have time for for son. Son grows up. Um, and says to dad, sorry, dad, I'm working too hard to hang out with you, to spend time with you. So we have this idea, this narrative, what adulting should be, right? Like being a grown up is supposed to be serious. It's supposed to be traumatic. Yeah. <laughs> why? And that's why, like, we know so much about, like, doing the, the inner work, so to speak, is a lot about going back to your inner child and, and looking at, like, okay, what is that little kid in me want right now and so many times when i'm working with someone or i'm seeing someone else being worked with they're in like that trance state their eyes are closed and it's like i want to play i want to play and at some point we're told we're not allowed to do that anymore and we end up with i mean that's why i was thinking about this on the drive up here that's why i end up with like guys in their midlife crisis who go and buy a sports car because they realize like they're not having fun and they don't know how to do it. So they they think, oh, I have to get this thing. Mm. I have to go do this thing. And then they're focused on the thing. But like playing isn't the point. Playing is just doing the thing. As Whereas fun is how you feel. And it doesn't matter what you're doing. If you're feeling the sensation of fun, whatever that feels like to you, then that's it doesn't matter if you're reading a book, running around the mountains, doing a puzzle, rock climbing, coloring, like whatever fun is, that's it. And that's what so many of the little kids inside all of us are looking for. And we forgot how to do it. Fun is the point. Simple as that.
how many times have you reminded me of that when <laughs> I just want to like stew in my trauma drama? <laughs> yeah, it's it's I'm I'm all I'm always here. I'm always here to do that because that too is is what the the great grandfather character does. Right. It's like everyone's being super serious in the book, and he's like, "Hey guys, ha!" And he's like, "Does something <laughs> silly." It's like, "Come on, you're being too serious." And I love the way that you called the jester because that's also your DJ name, right? Yes, jester. Cool. Talk about fun is the point, right? You bring fun into all of like when you dive into something, and I've watched you dive into uh, when you're like lasered in on your next task that you're going to learn how to do and be really good at you still bring that attitude of fun into it and that's i i admire that because i do think that that's what makes you so successful right so tell me about that tell me about how djing came about for you and how jester came about um it, it was something i was i was interested in because like i'm new to that kind of music electronic music that that's been a like, I haven't been, like, much of a music listener most of my life. And only in the last two years have I really started getting, like, oh, I like just sitting here and listening to this. That's cool. And as I started listening to it, I started to hear stuff in my head that I knew I didn't get from listening to someone else. Like, that was, that was that's an original melody concocted in my head. And I didn't have any way to get that out. I would hear it. But I didn't like I and I was like, I'm imagining DJs experience the same thing, but I don't even know how they do it. And the stuff that I'd seen with like learning how to mix and all this stuff, I'm like, ah, that that doesn't that doesn't excite me. Having to learn how to like twist the knobs and all that stuff. I didn't want to do that. And then I found this app, a $10 app called IK Oscillator, uh, Korg, K-O-R-G is the company that makes it. And it's like a, it's a touchpad that you you can play music on and it like it does the scales automatically so everything's in key and i found that to be really intuitive and it was really simple for me to hear in my head like and i could play that on this and as soon as i would get that down suddenly i'd hear oh and like this drum beat would go oh and then here's the bass line like all of that came naturally to the point where I was building songs with it. And because it was so much fun, <laughs> I I wanted to dive deeper. I wanted to get better at it. And and it's not even about getting better at it. Really. Because if you're trying to like if you're doing something to get better at it, then you're missing the point. You're just doing work mm. to get better at a thing. It's the like to me the fun is why i want to get better at it i don't want to get better at it to get better at it i want to get better at it because i'm having so much fun at that like i i don't want to do anything else this is all i want to focus on right now and it, it's gotten to the point now where there's a song that i've pieced together that i can't play i've tried to record it and i always mess something up it's like I've found I've like found an edge mm. with this now. And I love that. <laughs> I love that I've like, oh, finally, here's here's something where I've really got to sit down and rep this part because I know that this song is really cool and it's going to be really fun to play once I can do it. I just have to get to the point where I can do it. I'd like to point out for my listeners, noting this mindset shift, right, that there's 
we could go into something with passion, absolutely, with the passion of wanting to get better at something, wanting to, yes, I want to be the best at this, so I'm just going to put in the time, put in the reps. And what you're campaigning, this little tiny thought revolution that we can bring into this is, where is the fun now? Have fun in hitting that edge, having fun in finding a challenge that will take time to meet. Um, we find this in rock climbing all the time, right? Where it's like part of the fun is the fact that I can't get up this damn wall. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> How am I going to get up this? It might take me months. People work on projecting for years and that's part of the fun. And I love taking lessons from the wall, you know, onto the ground. And there's so many times in my life, theater was not fun. I can look back and go, I rarely had fun. There were some times that I can look and go, oh, I loved doing that show. But even so, I was always thinking about being somewhere else. So I challenge you listeners to take a moment and and think where in your life could you be having just a little bit more fun? Just a little bit more fun. How's it going with Adventure Dads, bringing that into, into the fitness? It is aspect? so cool mm -hmm. because uh, we're two, two lessons in so far and i was already confident that it was gonna work so then seeing it actually work makes it even cooler because like i knew it was gonna work and i just finished like the first round of one-on-one -on -one calls with all the guys in the program and they're all crushing it and these little things that i've that have introduced like having a grand rising ritual at like as soon as you get up and like just that that one small, like, take 30 minutes, 10 to 30 minutes for yourself in the morning it is blowing these guys' minds. And they're having big shifts already just from that. So seeing that work is so rewarding. And I'm really excited about, about where it's going. Like, what is... Because I don't know what the 12th lesson is going to be yet <laughs> in, in the 12-week program. I don't know what that's going to be. Um, I'm building this thing as I go based off of where the guys are at. And it's such a fun journey because it is because it's like it, it's a it's a bunch of dudes, bunch of dudes in this thing. Like, yeah, let's have like we're here to have a good time because they all want to have fun. The goal of the program is for them to always be able to play with their kids, to be crawling around on the floor with their grandkids. I, I did. I did mark a market research interview with one guy who said his goal is to be at his grandkids' wedding. Mm. And I want to raise the bar on that and say, I want all of these dads to be burning up the dance floor at their grandkids' wedding. And it's all, it's all built up of practices that I do without even thinking. That I am, because I'm devoted to my health. I'm devoted to these practices. And it's, it's the things that you do without thinking that are going to rock somebody else's world. So it's been cool to, cause I, and I tell that cause I work with fitness coaches, helping them build their businesses. And so often they've got this story of like, ah, oh, what do I know? You know, I'm not a, I'm not a check level seven coach or, you know, I don't have a master's in kinesiology. I just have a personal trainer certification. And my, I go, can you teach someone how to squat? Cause for someone who doesn't know how to squat, Learning how to squat is going to change their life. Mm. I've seen this happen. I was at a party where 
there were there were some people who were like in their 50s or 60s and i heard them talking about like not being able to bend over to get stuff off the ground and they were and this conversation came up because they found out i was a fitness coach and i said oh well you want to you want to like try some stuff and they said okay sure and i said okay show me how to squat show me how you squat which that's i love doing that when like without any context i don't like prep anyone of like how to squat i want to know what squat means to them with where they're at and that can give me a really clear picture of not only how their body moves but also it gives me like the the rough outline of what their their training history is and i watched this woman squat and i went okay i am not surprised that you can't get things up off the floor so i did a little squat clinic in the middle of this part and there were three of them where I was explaining, I was like, okay, put your feet like this, like scoot your butt back a little bit and then bend your knees and keep your chest up. There you go. You squat it. And they, they were all like, oh, wow. I didn't know I could do this. Two years later, I'm back up. This was in Vermont. I'm back up there. They're neighbors of my parents. I walk by and she says, oh my gosh, I still remember when you taught me how to squat at that party. I'm still doing it. Heck yeah. A five minute impromptu squat clinic. And this woman is still doing it based off of those five minutes. So that's what's so cool about doing this program is I'm not reinventing the wheel or anything. I'm teaching some really basic practices and they're having exponential effects on my clients. And what is more basic than fun is the point? All of that, like if you had gone, you know, any trainer could have watched them and been part of that conversation, been like, well, come see me and, you know, and I'll get you being able to squat. No, you were like, let's have fun right here, right now and do a little let's let's show a little thing. Let's put I'm going to put on a little magic show. <laughs> another another one of my talents. <laughs> another one of my <laughs> I have seen been put on. about it's, it's wonderful. And I and once again, fun is the point. And so often I hear from people one compliment I get from people all the time is like how brave I am to get on stage and to be able to do this podcast and talk in front of people. And I'm like, I'm just having fun. Like this podcast for me, this is my creative fun outlet. Right. And that's when our best work comes through. And clearly that's what's coming through with you with anytime you step into a room like that, anytime you bring a little something that even brings you a little bit of fire, what fuels that fire is fun. So a lot of the conversations you and I've been having, as you know, I go deep on like the existential crises and like on the rabbit holes of the world. And you're like, Sammy, (laughs) (laughs) fun is the point. And I would like to talk about that a little bit about what you're seeing with, because right now they're heavy times and you know, you're working with entrepreneurs, you're working with parents and it is important to acknowledge that the stuff is happening. How do you bring the fun is the point into the conversation and how do people take it? With with everything that's happening, like I th- I see it all as a smoke and mirrors distraction from having fun. <laughs> um, what I see when I try to bring those things up is people saying like, "Well, I need to be informed," or um, "Oh, but this is happening, and so and so did this, and it's terrible." And what I notice is most of the things that people are upset about have nothing to do with their actual day-to-day lives. Like Donald Trump, prime example, is 
there are very there there are some things he did that affected some people's everyday lives that a lot of people disagree with totally understand that there's a lot of stuff that he did that has nothing to do with most people's everyday lives and the only reason that their everyday lives were affected was because they were paying attention they were giving him their attention like every time someone yelled at the screen because donald trump said something that's exactly what he wanted you to do you played right into his hands by doing that he wanted to create a show for you to pay attention to to distract you from everything else like the the last election i stopped paying attention after i watched the first debate and saw what a circus it was like if anyone has seen the hunger games movies the the show that caesar flickerman does that debate was that with less makeup mm -hmm. i remember being done with it. i was like wow i wash my hands of this i'm done with this and i had a, a really peaceful time with that <laughs> and what what i see happening too is the people who are seeing you know what's going on with with covid and politics and all of that and then they they look at the the alternative narratives or like what's going on behind the scenes and i hear talk of there being like a nefarious organization that's pulling all the strings mm -hmm. and my thought is like if that nefarious organization is this good then all this other stuff like QAnon, that's just as likely to be them as well mm -hmm. like that's another distraction to distract you away from living your life so and I remember even watching watching a, a doc, a little documentary about QAnon, and they were talking about how that's why Donald Trump ran for president was to chop the, stop the child sex trafficking. And my thought was, if Donald Trump has to be president in order to do something about this, then it is way above my pay grade. Like, I am not going to like no amount of like reposting an article on on Facebook or Instagram is going to have an actual effect on this so i'm not going to pay attention to it and my life has been remarkably peaceful mm. through this whole thing because i i'm not giving the like any of these narratives any weight because they don't actually have an effect on my life unless i give them the attention that they're looking for our attention does so much for the way we live our life right and what's coming to mind is as you as you were talking about people sharing those articles i just kept i kept feeling my own like blood pressure rise every time i share one of those articles like what i do to my body what i do to my nervous system every time i'm sharing something or speaking openly about what i believe in or like put on my revolutionary hat right and how often that affects my nervous system and we have such this uptick in anxiety and depression and um mental health right now where all over Facebook and social media, people are screaming for help. And I keep coming back to the inner child and play. And that being the point in how every time we we continuously move away from that. And it's it's so easy to, right? We're like, oh, there's all these terrible things going on in the world. I have to use my voice and do something. Okay, but also, where is the fun? It's because a lot of people are bored. Mm. And I, Ryan Holiday termed... Uh, coin this term outrage porn <laughs> oh my gosh is that's that. that's what it is because there was 
uh, if anyone is familiar with Headspace, I was doing a meditation on Headspace that was geared towards anger. And the guy, the voice on the thing said, the brain doesn't like being angry. It likes being involved in stuff. So in the absence of any stuff to be involved in, the brain will create some stuff to be involved in. So that's that's how people get caught in this loop is they see something that's triggering and like it pulls them out of their boring existence. Like here's I'm a feeling something. At least I'm feeling something, you know, as opposed to this like this mindless punching the clock nine to five life in your gray concrete jungle, which I think it's an insult to the jungle, that term. Um, doing this this rat race so that you can retire at 65 and then you get to start living your life. Like people find something that gives them some sort of stimulation. So they chase that. And they're just as addicted to that as someone else can be as addicted to heroin. Mm -hmm. They're after the same thing is they want to feel something. And I've experienced this too. Smoking weed. There's plenty of times where I've done that because I'm bored. And what I noticed uh, recently, I took some intentional time away from it because I, I was checking that. I was like, okay, I know I'm falling into that trap. I don't want to do that. Let's see what happens if I remove that as an option. I, I learned how to play chess. Um, I DJed a whole bunch of new songs. I read books. I went for more runs. So many creative things became available to me. I was like, okay, that's one thing I do when I'm bored. Let's take that away. What are some other things I can do when I'm bored? And when, when I created that space, I had so much fun because there was so much cool shit to do. And like people are getting focused on these, these hits of, of sensation, of stimulation. Chaos. Yeah. They're not even like really aware of, of the addiction. It's so subversive. And like it happens on on social media, the, the algorithm isn't isn't good or bad. The algorithm was told, hold this organism's attention for as long as possible. And it figured out that if it shows you something that makes you outraged, you are more likely to give that give that app your attention. So that's why it shows you the most outrageous stuff. That's why it shows you stuff about Pizzagate. That like that's why it shows you, you know, every every racist remark that any politician has ever said, because it knows that that's going to piss you off and you're going to want to go deeper into that rabbit hole. Deeper into that trauma drama, that yeah. addiction to chaos, the as Mark says, like the puckered assholes. Right. And our emotional addiction, you know, is is the poison. Like what is the and boredom is. Um, an aspect of that or if boredom's the poison right if boredom really it's like oh we don't know we're we're so used to having all of these things to take up our attention that when we don't have it we're bored and boredom is also a symptom of you know not listening to ourselves and what keeps coming to mind of the antidote is fun and how how much you can all these little things that you're like oh i want to I, I need to wake up every morning and have a really strong routine and I need to work out at this time and I need to put social media away. It's all 
all can be fixed and all can be made better by just having fun. And it's a little step. <laughs> you only need to take a little step. Mm. Often I see um, like people want to make a big change in their life and they think they have to uproot everything right now. I've got to sell all my possessions and get a van. And uh, to take that into the micro, you've worked with nutrition clients. What happens if you try to completely overhaul everything about what someone eats in one one hour session? They revert back. Yeah, they immediately fail because there's too much going on at once. Mm -hmm. You've got to make little adjustments. That's I love every now and I, I'm not a particularly like structured religious person, but damn it if the Bible doesn't have some great quotes. <laughs> okay. And <clears throat> one of the things I love about the Bible is uh, it started off, if someone stole from you, you could go and slaughter their whole family. That was the rule. And it's like, yep, they stole from me. I'm going to kill everybody. You were allowed to do that. And then the next step was, no, no, no. Eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth. If someone steals from you, you can only steal from them back. You can't then do more than that. Then Jesus came along. <laughs> And said, well, then the whole world will be blind and toothless. Turn the other cheek. But if we went from, I'm going to kill their whole family to turn the other cheek, that's too big of a jump. People weren't going to be able to do that. So God knew <laughs> I've got to work these people up too. I know I want them to turn the other cheek, but with where they're at now, we got to take a couple steps <laughs> to get there. So with fun, I even caught myself uh, recently. Like I've been really into the Wheel of Time book series, and I've been spending a lot of time reading that. And I remember th like telling a story that I was being lame for sitting around reading a book. And then I took a step back. I was like, wait, when I was like between eight and 13, I'd read a book a day. I loved that shit. So now I'm like, oh, right. Reading is super fun. I have so much fun grabbing a book and lying there reading. Like it can be a, as small as reading a book for pleasure. Like find a fantasy book, a science fiction book. Not like it can be, you can have fun reading like a self-actualization book. I mean, I'm having a lot of fun reading about copywriting right now. Hey, I'm like nerding <clears throat> out hard about copywriting. That's the thing. You can have fun with that. Yeah. Um, most often when I see people reading that book, it's from a, like, I have to make myself better. Mm. Like I have to solve my problems and this book is going to, cause I'm going to, they're in the like, yeah, discipline equals freedom. I'm going to, I'm going to go hard. I listen to Gary V and, uh, Jocko Willink every day. And you know, Hey, those guys are great. And for there are certain people who their message resonates taken too far. You're, you're just consuming information to try and get better for betterment's sake. And missing the point. The point of having fun. Mm -hmm. So like you can take these small, teeny tiny steps to have a little bit of fun. And then that builds on itself to the point where sun up to sundown, you're having a fucking blast the whole time. And... It's not to say that boredom is wrong. 
and this has been my journey. There is an element of <laughs> you've got to be, you do have to be able to, to sit with being bored because you know what? You're going to be bored sometimes. The real test is like when you're bored, can you notice that? And notice and like catch yourself before you go to like watching the news, before you go to scrolling through Instagram. Can you catch that boredom before that happens and actually sit with the boredom for a second, as opposed to uh, reactionarily going to the first thing that's going to give you stimulation? Because the, that really easily accessible stuff, like it's really easy to pull out your phone and just start flipping and you're not even looking for something. You're just flipping, trying to do, trying to find something to stimulate yourself. So like catch the boredom and go, okay, that's what this is. Let me be really intentional with what, if anything, that I do with this. And front, like that's when you can make the choice that's actually going to be fun as opposed to reflexively going to the first thing that's available. Hell yeah. So to give people some little, you've, you've already dropped so much here, but you know, what's coming up for me right now is recognizing that some people actually don't remember how to have fun and might be asking, okay, I hear you, but how? So what is that first step to recognizing what each individual needs to uncover in order mm. to have fun? Two things. The, the first one is, what did you like to do as a little kid? Did you like to color, go play Legos, play, play pretend out in the backyard? Like, find that. Go back to that. The, the other, and this is a question that just popped in right before you asked that question was, what's the thing that you think is silly? Because that's a, that's a judgment. Because you're worried about someone else thinking you're silly for doing that thing. Yo, I used to think dancing with my heart was silly. I And now that is my full joy. Like that is my full heart, soul, everything is when I dance. And I used to say, oh, that's silly to go to, to dance like that because of all the stories from theater and ballet and technique and that I looked bad. Wow, that's wild. Yeah, what's what's the thing that you think is silly? Like I uh, I just went home and I brought my GameCube back. And I've been playing Legend of Zelda Wind Waker. Oh, and it's so much fun. I love it. <laughs> and in, in, I noticed in the back of my head, imagining other people judging me for playing video games. And that was my, my cue of like, cool, so I'm going to play video games. <laughs> I'm going to play video games then. If that's the thing that I'm projecting, I'm a, really ultimately I'm imagining someone else judging me because there's a little part of me that's judging myself for doing that when, you know, maybe... I could be writing marketing copy or doing outreach or building curriculum for my program. And I can still do all that and play video games. Mm. So like that, that, that thing that you think is silly or stupid, go do that thing. Mm. I, I feel like this, and I, rather than take, continue to go down this rabbit hole with it, but I do want to put this out there of, how many things people judge or find a silly, but it's because they're afraid or they want to, they want to go after it and don't feel like they can. And how many, you know, written stories we have. And what's coming to mind really is how many, how many like 
people who are secretly gay just really like hate on gay people because they're secretly gay. Like that's what those projections, Mm -hmm. right? So if you think something is silly, ask yourself why? And maybe is it because that's what you want to be doing? Ben, I love that. That's really actionable advice. Thank you. You're welcome. Is there anything else that you would like to share with the reparenting revolution listeners? Mm, This is my favorite piece of, of advice to give. You can't be careful on a skateboard. Yikes. Where am I being careful on the skateboard? That's the thing. You're you're going down that hill and you know you got to hit that turn and you got to lean way the fuck back on your skateboard because the thing is, if you don't, you're going to miss the turn and you're actually more likely to crash if you do that. Like more people fail because they hedge their bets than the people who go for it. So, yeah, be dangerous. You can't, you cannot be careful on a skateboard. And have fun doing it. Mm-hmm. Heck yeah. Love it. Thank you so much for being here, Ben. My pleasure. This is really fun. <laughs>